Hello and welcome to Zip Radio Podcasts powered by Synerzip. I'm your host Madhura and in today's episode we are going to talk about low code no code technologies in the insurance industry. I'm joined today by one of our regular guests Vinayak Zograkar who is the CTO at the Synerzip Prime Group. Joining us along with Vinayak is Gary K who is CEO at Synerzip Prime Group. Gary brings a vast experience of working in the insurtech industry. and today he will shed some light on the advantages use cases and applications of low code no code technologies in the insurance domain so welcome on board gary and vinayak and thank you for joining us today thank you madhura thanks thank you hey gary welcome and i have a lot of questions and before we go down deep into the low code no code area i just want to understand that you know when you talk about insurtech somehow i had the impression that we were only restricting ourselves to health insurance uh, you know basically the provider prayer and that's the big one but then i suppose there is a broader definition of insurtech that you have in mind so can you just draw an outline for the benefit of the audience to understand what we mean by insurtech Sure, sure. I'd welcome that. And again, thank you very much, Vinayak, for having me. Uh, if you look at the insurance marketplace, it's a very broad and very diverse space. And typically, we look at it in three to four primary categories. First, as you mentioned, health payers. So these are large health insurers. They could be association-based. They could be governmental-based, but they are focused on kind of supporting the health related needs and claims for direct members and groups. The second are large life insurers. And life insurance today includes a wide variety of different products from, you know, typical, you know, term whole life, but also some very highly specialized unique offerings. From there you move on to specialty insurance and this is a, a while well, it seems like a small category it's very large uh, it covers everything from title insurance to director and operators insurance etc and then the last category would be property and casualty most are familiar with home insurance homeowners insurance or title insurance or automobile insurance right yeah so that that's a good summary now talking about the topic uh, that we have so the low code no code technology that we are so familiar with which means in my understanding there's someone who is an expert in a particular domain who has a good subject matter expertise but he may not be a programmer and such a person wants to use his subject matter expertise to build a solution quickly without having to depend on a developer then he would be able to use this low code or no code approach to quickly put together a solution that works and he can actually deliver something that is of value to the end customer so that is my very high level 10000 feet understanding of this low code no code now in this first of all does this impact now you talked about all these areas is there one area that is impacted more or is a better candidate for low code no code as compared to some other areas like for example life insurance as compared to health insurance as compared to maybe 
property insurance. So is there any specific area that is likely to benefit more from this? Yeah, I'd like to answer, uh, speak to one of the points that you mentioned earlier, Vinak, and then I'll come to your question. First, low code has huge promise for the insurance industry. With it, domain experts, so those that are most familiar with their business, can be significantly involved and active contributors to articulating needs, requirements, uh, prioritizing the requirements, and even, even contributing to kind of building out a solution. But there's still high value in uh, involving those from a systems development perspective, those that have familiarity with development methodologies and process uh, that will help to ensure a, a system that functions correctly at conclusion. Uh, in terms of opportunities and fits within the industries, uh, we have found basically really little to no limits for low code in serving the wide industry brand of or range of industry segments that I mentioned earlier. Typically, most organizations begin with a, a smaller uh, use case to kind of, in essence, build expertise and familiarity with the, the low code platform and then from there branch out. A good example of that might be an insurance company that might have multiple legacy administrative systems that they have taken on over the course of years through acquisitions. Each of these admin systems reflect policy rules that are often difficult to migrate to a new system. So they, they in essence, need to exist in the existing uh, admin system. But that admin system may not have kept pace with business needs. And so with low-code technology, a first use case might be to use the low-code platform to aggregate data from multiple legacy administrative systems, bring value very quickly to a customer service function, for example, while growing experience within the IT and business area. Sir, I have two questions coming to my mind. The first one is that you said, uh, Gary, that you still require some inputs from a development team. It's not just purely the subject matter expert. Now, if my uh, plain understanding at the layman's level was that low-code, no-code basically means that we don't need developers because they're so hard and so expensive. So now if we're still going to be dependent on developers, then what's the difference is a question that uh, I have. And after that, the second question is that you're talking about integrating variety of administrative platforms and you know, this sounds more like uh, lifting and heavy lifting, heavy uh, data work as compared to my understanding was that low code, no code would be something more to do with nice looking forms and, you know, things like dashboards that you can quickly put together. But there seems to be much deeper heavy lifting of integration of different platforms also involved here. So am I going off there? So first, uh, let me have, uh, uh, let me uh, pose the first question again. You know, why low code? I mean, if you're still going to need developers. Sure. So low code, low code is, typically can be defined as a platform rich in functionality that with, through configuration can be used to rapidly create 
enterprise level applications, right? And different low code vendors offer different levels of uh, functionality and capability. But those that we are most uh, experienced with are rich and significant functionality. So everything from the ability to create user interfaces, to automate workflows, to automate more complex case-centric, case management-oriented processes, the introduction of business rules, integration in many different forms to many different systems, often through uh, built-in integration objects or connectors, including artificial intelligence. So low-code offers the opportunity to build a wide variety of different application types, everything from enterprise class to to the basically the proof of concept uh, example that I shared earlier, which was to basically aggregate data from multiple systems to address a customer service need, for example. They benefit from an IT, some type of IT influence in that IT has significant experience with methodology and process, right? And so, you know, everything from understanding and reflecting or, or describing those business requirements in a product backlog to the kind of associated processes supporting testing and deployment. So there's the benefit from IT. There are maybe instances where we have complex integration needs, in which case there's also a benefit from having IT involved. But the platform itself offers significant leverage to the product team, to the team that is seeking a, an automated solution to a business problem. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, let me, uh, you know, ask this question a little differently and uh, dig a little more deeper. Now, let's say you're saying that you need some involvement from IT in terms of the model or the process that you follow in terms of defining the way we define requirements and the way we manage, uh, let's say, development sprints and, you know, user stories and all that in the agile way is what it sounds like uh, is the main reason why we still need IT and it's not just the subject matter experts. That is well understood. Now, you know, the question I have is in IT itself, you have developers, you have QAs, you have DevOps professionals, the variety of uh, roles that are there. And let's say I don't have a top-notch developer available for reasons well-known, but I do have a couple of good QA professionals who have experience in the process that you follow in terms of defining requirements, getting user stories, estimation, planning, running the sprints and all that. Would they be able to work well without any involvement by a programmer as such. I mean, they may be able to write scripts, but they may not be able to do hardcore object-oriented development with long-running uh, code. Typically, what you can say, and uh, QA who is engaged in automation, would that work? Would they be able to do the whole thing end-to-end that you just described? Uh, they could make a significant contribution. I would still suggest that you kind of seed the team with someone familiar with the platform uh, and its capabilities, someone who might have built out you know, multiple solutions on that platform to just you know, take advantage of lessons learned and provide overall guidance to the team. But absolutely, there's significant opportunity for each of those roles that you mentioned 
to be active contributors and uh, and provide meaningful input into mm -hmm. the, uh, the the development process. Right. You mentioned uh, you know two things that kind of got my attention, Gary. The first one you mentioned was you know the front end, the user interface that you can develop, and the second one you also mentioned in passing was AI ML. Now these two things uh, I have seen people spending their entire careers being good UI professionals or being good data scientists, right? I mean, you you uh, you know those people. Now, uh, what you're saying here is that someone that you just described who has a good understanding of the platform can in fact do what a good UI professional uh, who's been doing that all his life or a good data scientist who's been doing all his life, they could be replaced by someone who has good understanding of this low-code platform? They, I wouldn't necessarily say replaced. I think you will always benefit from that UI, UX experience. But I do, I would say that uh, most of these platforms have, are rich in UI level type functionality uh, that provide a kind of a drag and drop interface that allow you to draw from a, a palette of objects to create a user interface. Uh, you may not have the, uh, the same level of flexibility that you might have in some other technologies, but the trade-off is speed and the fact that that UI is built on the platform, so you've got integrity kind of in the platform. On the AI machine learning side, most have some type of relationship integration, third-party engines, might be Google or Azure, et cetera, AWS. And so again, you might benefit, you would benefit from somebody with prior experience with some of those technologies. The AI, the platform though, the low code platform uh, helps to facilitate and provide that integration and make provide that underlying plumbing, so to speak, to make that technology more accessible to the application. Yeah. So, you know, so now I'm kind of, you know, trying to paint a picture in my mind, Gary, of, you know, a likely project and I see a domain expert or a subject matter expert as a main persona who's kind of defining the problem and the kind of solution. And then there is uh, somebody who has a deep expertise who's done this kind of thing before uh, using the low-code platform. And then he's the second person who's guiding the team. And then there is a team consisting of uh, you know, uh, professionals who could be good at the agile development life cycle, maybe from automation scripting angle from QA side, or uh, maybe a developer who's good at some programming language. And a combination of these uh, would kind of deliver. I would be able to completely wrap my head around this if you just describe a successful project so that, you know, you can touch upon how it is different from a regular software development project in terms of timelines, in terms of the way we run those projects, requirements, definition to testing and all that. So can you just describe a use case or a particular project that you have, a typical one? Yeah, well, it's hard to kind of identify a typical one, but let me give you three kind of what I often refer to as macro use cases for this technology, ways that you can leverage low code for the benefit of your business. The first are building out enterprise class applications, right? So while the platforms vary, those that we are associated with have 
kind of what we refer to as a the full stack, right? To have everything necessary to build out a customer facing, a user facing application. Everything from user interface to business process management to business rules to case centric capabilities to content document management and then third party connectors that allow you to extend to other applications, whether they're legacy or commercial. So you can build out in a very rapid order, full-scale enterprise applications. You can also use low-code to complement an existing system that you might have. For example, the advent of COVID-19, we're now faced with the challenge of bringing our employees, our team members back to work. Well, there are very, very few systems that support that functionality. Uh, We all have human resource management systems, but nothing that says or that captures information associated with somebody's health, well-being, their ability to return to work, their, uh, when they do return to work, where are they working, et cetera, and tracing that information. Uh, With low code, we can essentially complement our human resource system with that additional functionality in very short order. And then the third macro use cases is we may have a, a business function that relies on two, three, four other systems. It could be admin systems, claim systems, you know, internally developed systems, whatever. But with the low code capability, we can in essence kind of orchestrate the process that involves those three or four systems. So I shared earlier a a use case that many have begun their low-code journey with, which is really aggregating data. Uh, One uh, large insurance company grew through acquisition. So over the course of time, they acquired something in the neighborhood of 22 different policy admin systems. And again, each of those policy admin systems reflects client or member data. It reflects the nature of the policy, the associated rules of that policy. And many of these systems are very expensive and complicated to migrate. So what this organization elected to do is to retain these legacy systems, but to use low code to, in essence, capture information, member information from each of these 22 uh, legacy policy admin systems and present those uh, on a single pane of glass to their customer service function. So in, in essence, simplifying and bringing value to the business while managing risk and cost technology side. We also have clients that are frustrated with uh, the functionality that's available in today's kind of commercially off the shelf package software. You know, in many cases, those packages were built based on requirements of a client somewhere sometime, but they may not reflect your needs uh, Mm -hmm. in which case, you're looking for something that might best fit uh, your functional requirements. And that's a great opportunity for low code. So with low code, you can cost effectively provide a highly tailored solution that specifically addresses, you know, a client's or a organization's needs in a, in again, in a very cost effective manner. Right. Yeah. So this, this is a good description and for any application that I would say that requires integration of uh, different kind of platforms at enterprise level and applying uh, business processes and rules, and then uh, you know bringing it all together to make sense, 
bringing uniformity to the variety that variety could be a reason of multiple uh, acquisitions or it could be a reason uh, you know different brands of software got bought or different packages or solutions were bought by different people at different points in time and finally you are uh, having left holding this and then you wonder what how we can bring it all together and that's when you would reach out to so this is very powerful uh, you know to utilize and quickly bring it all to one level where you can take a look at it coming from uh, different levels in time and complexity so uh, that is a good summary now i have one question that you know when we start anything of this nature in the traditional way we thought about whether it is uh, enterprise or the complement or the orchestration kind of use case we need some kind of architecture we have some kind of best practices we have design patterns that have evolved over the years and you know we need some level of uh, you know you have some picture some diagram and then an architect can walk through those and tell how you going to accomplish that to a, a probable developer so you do have such a involvement by an architect level person um absolutely So when we move forward with a client we follow an agile methodology very similar to you know traditional or or you know conventional agile methodology and the team benefits from an architect level person it may be from an outside you know consultant such as ourselves or perhaps the platform vendor but there's high value in having experience on the team Typically our experience is that these are smaller teams, typically, you know, less than 10 people from a pure development perspective who can accomplish significant results in in very short order. So if you were to compare right I mean you're saying 10 people doing something significant if you were to compare given your experience the same thing with the traditional approach how many people would it take to do what these 10 people you just said would do it could easily be twice to three times that size you know it, again depending on the nature of the application scope of the application it could be you know double to three times that size we've got a team highly experienced developers i mean it's not I think our average tenure is roughly 15 years of professional experience and when they first started looking at low code technologies they were a bit skeptical they were you know largely thought it might be the you know the latest bright shiny object but that it might it's you know it might be constrained or uh, you know be simple uh, maybe useful in creating simplified applications but more complex enterprise applications might be out of reach and what i've seen is that those people are now the strongest proponents for it because what they're now capable of doing is delivering high value in very short order much of the the tedious work uh necessary to create functionality is provided for them out of the platform and they now can focus on how best to address a business need and extending further how best to integrate with other systems so yeah yeah i, I can totally understand because you know having this short interaction of half an hour 
I myself was having some reservation and you have more than been able to address those, uh, Gary. So I can understand someone who's skeptical how they turned out to be advocates for no code, no code. And I can totally understand that. So Gary, uh, you know, as uh, we are coming to an end of this, uh, is there something that Gary, uh, you wanted me to ask uh, a question and that I didn't ask in this? Um, you know, I think the big question for for many organizations is, well, this is promising and, and interesting, but how do I begin and how do I understand how this fits within my organization, right? It's the, it's the age old IT question. How does this fit my environment? How do I begin? For that, I would in, encourage listeners to take a look at what the analysts are saying, take a look at what each uh, low code vendor offers. Uh, I know we partner with uh, an, the industry leader in this space, and it's amazing how much knowledge transfer training type sessions are available online for free to become familiar with. Take advantage of opportunities to uh, use a vendor's product in a trial setting and look to a partner like Centers of Prime who can quickly uh, help you understand the capabilities and power of this amazing technology. Wonderful. So this is, you know, a good uh, advice to those who are kind of uh, sitting on the fence and wondering whether it would work in their organizations. So this is a good indication of the first few steps that they can take. Very useful advice. Thanks a lot, Gary. Thanks for coming here and you know, sharing all this information, so valuable, so helpful. Thank you again. Well, thank you very much, Vinayak, for having me. This has been an interesting conversation. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you are looking to accelerate your product roadmap, visit our website, www.synerzip.com, for more information. Stay tuned to future Zip Radio episodes for more insights on technology and agile trends. Thank you.